Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiphany. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. How many know that we serve an able God? Man, Ephesians 3.20 says that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. There's another verse in, in Jude 1.24 that says that God is able to keep you from stumbling. The reason you've made it in this room today is because you serve a God that is able. And my prayer today is that not only is he able, I don't question that. My prayer is that he would be willing to do whatever it is that you have been praying for well, welcome to Epiphany Church. This, this is the place where we get to worship and make a lot of noise and praise and exalt the name of Jesus. The way Psalm 113 says it is from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. That literally means when the sun rises, he should be praised. And when the sun sets, he should be praised. And if, if I understand time right, that means right now he should be praised. So can we just lift up a praise in this room next door? Y'all open up your mouth and just... Begin to praise a God that has been faithful and good. And what a wonderful Savior that we serve. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. The Lord has given us life today. He's giving us a new day. He's given you a new chance uh, to fix what was wrong last week and to represent him well. Uh, and if you made it here in this room and those of you who are next door, if you made it uh, to the room next door. And if you're streaming, those of you who are streaming, uh, you are here today because God gave you another chance. And it, that's because of his mercy and his grace. It's not because we've done anything so well. It's because he's worthy and gives us what we don't deserve, which is death. He gives us life. And so you're breathing. You're here. You've made it. Like praise God for his faithfulness and his goodness to us. Well, I want to get into the word of God um, today. That's my responsibility. There, there's a man, there's a pretty familiar story in Matthew. Go to Matthew. Um, shout out to those of you who are next door. Once you get to Matthew, go to Matthew chapter three. Um, I popped over next door and um, it's it's a full room of people. And I'm just grateful that you guys decided to hang out. You could have went to brunch early. But you decided to hang out for a little bit. And um, so shout out to all of you, our first time visitors that are here. If you're next door, shout out to you. Uh, those of you who are first time visitors in the room, can you just wave your hand so I can see you? Man, wow. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Keep your hands up so I can see you. Thank y'all for coming. Wow, man. Shout out to y'all. Thank you for coming, bro. Over here, man. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's an honor that you are here. We don't take it lightly. We, it's a big deal to us that you decide to hang out. Uh, with little old Epiphany Church here, uh, where we are trying to make a lot of noise and make much about Jesus. Everybody good today? Yeah. All right. Man, I got a little song. I'm going to sing it real quick, and y'all just jump right in so we can get right on to the, to the sermon. Praise the name of Jesus, if you know it. Praise the name of He's my rock, he's my rock, that's the song. He's my fortress, he's my deliverer, and him will I trust. Everybody ought to praise the name of him. If you don't know it, you can clap your hands. Come on, y'all. Praise. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. 
church oh, He's my fortress He's my deliverer In Him will I trust Praise the name of Jesus That needs to get down in your soul, y'all Let's do it again, everybody in here Come on Praise the name Name of Jesus I need to hear you Come on, He's my rock He's my rock, he's my fortress, he's my deliverer, in him will I trust. Praise the name of Jesus. Let's do this. What can wash away? That's it, nothing but the blood, nothing but the What can make me whole again? Nothing but. Come on, oh precious. No other. Nothing but the blood. chapter 3. Are y'all there? If y'all can just say, I'm there, B, I'm there. All right, y'all should be there by now. Pick me up in verse 13. Now, I know this is familiar, and let me just say this real quick to everybody that's in the room, everybody that's next door, um, and everybody that's serving. I don't know why, uh, specifically the people that are serving. I, I know how it is when you're, when you're serving, whether you're on the tech team, the, the musicians, the worship team, um, the, those of you who are in sound, those of you who are in that tech room, uh, I know when you're serving, it's really hard to dial in, to plug in, but I believe that this word is for everybody. Somebody say everybody. I believe that this word is for everybody, and don't you dare let serving stop you from being transformed today. I believe that God wants to speak to you. Familiar passage, won't you pick me up verse 13? It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him, meaning by John. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. And Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. That becomes important later. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, don't miss these next words. I know you know it, but act like you don't for a second. Look at these next words. It says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Somebody say he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered, it is written. Now he's going to quote Deuteronomy 8, 3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. Now the devil's going to quote Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. I want to preach 
um, from the topic posed as a question that I think directly goes right to your identity. And the question and topic is this, who are you? Now, I'm not talking about like this future, like who are you now? I'm not talking about the one you brought to church. Who are you? Now, look at your neighbor and just say, who are you? Look at somebody else that looks like they're struggling with their identity and Come on, next door, do it. Say, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, one thing for sure is that we need consistent exposure to your word. And so, Lord, here we are again. We're, we're here. We're opening up your word, opening up our devices. We're, gonna, we're slowing the pace of life down, the busyness of life. Some of us have things to do after service and places to be. But in this moment, we, we, we've carved out time because we know that this is one of the places that we hear from you. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak pray that you would speak. And when you speak, oh God, I pray that we would be listening. Transform our thinking, transform our behavior, transform our hearts, build up identities in the room because that's what we need. We need your word to replace the lies of the enemy. It's in the Christ's name we pray. Somebody say amen. amen. Who are you? It is uh, Sun Tzu who wrote a famous book called The Art of War. If you've never read it, it's, a, it's an incredible book, even if you're not in the military. Although the military actually uses it uh, to this day, uh, the Marines and the Navy SEAL use it as part of their required reading and, and training manuals uh, because it is to this day still a foundational book. But there's a principle in that book, uh, Sun Tzu's book, The Art of War, principle 18. Here's what he says. It says, for any hope of success in a battle, you have to know both your enemy and yourself. And then he goes on and he quotes, and this is what he says is a direct quote. He says, for if you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not your enemy, then for every victory gained, you will suffer a defeat. And then finally, he says, if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Might I submit to you that this is the point of the message. The point of the message is that we are people of God that should be striving to make sure we understand the strategies of the enemy, but you also need to be striving to know you. Are y'all hearing me in the room? Because one thing I'm very clear on is that there are many people that are in this room and next door and those of you who are online right now, there are many people who don't know who we are. Here's what we know. We know who we want to be. We, wanna, we know who we portray to be. We know who we brought to church today. We know the filtered and the scripted us. We, we, we know the real us, and I'm not talking the R-E-A-L us. We know the R-E-E-L us. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And what God, is, what God wants to do is help you today to get off of living life through your Instagram filter and your Instagram reel and live R-E-A-L life. Look at your name and say, the, R, the real life on Instagram ain't real life. Oh, I hope y'all are hearing me in the room. It ain't sustainable, boo-boo. I'm going to be honest with you. The vacation looked dope on Instagram, but y'all know it wasn't that dope. The food looked amazing on the story, but y'all know it really wasn't that great. Y'all not, y'all not listening to me. Our marriage, man, we make it look so good online, but y'all know we be having issues. That Stanley Cup, y'all know it's a waste of money. 
Y'all know it's a waste of money. You bought it just to take a picture. Listen, living R-E-E-L lives is, is unsustainable. It's unfulfilling because none of us can actually live up to it. And the question that, that, that begs us today is, do we really know who we are? You came here today to hear about the enemy. But what you need to hear about is you. You need to hear who, who are we? And we need, to, we need to do like Sun Tzu in the art of, art of war. We need to understand the enemy and we know, both, both need to know ourselves. And here's why. Here's the real reason why. Because if, even if you don't know you, you know the enemy knows you. Oh, he knows what you like. He knows what you don't like. He knows your weaknesses. He knows the times that you are most susceptible to sins. He knows your wins. He knows your losses. He knows your rhythms. The enemy knows us. Ask your neighbor once more, who are you? Next door, I hope y'all are asking that question. Who are you? Because what I am called to do today is to pluck out the lies of the enemy that he has called you and told you that you were and replace them with the truth of the gospel of who God has called you to be. The real you, I hope you brought that one to church today. Here it is. The first point that I want us to understand when it comes to our identity is you only know who you are based on who God says you are. I know that doesn't sound deep, but I'm telling you, you'll think about it later and it'll, it'll hit you. You only really know who we are by who God says we are. Can I get back in the text? Look at what happens. Okay, Jesus, this is Jesus' baptism. Many of you already know the story. Maybe you never heard of the story. Jesus arrives uh, to the Jordan, and when he gets there, John the Baptist is there, and John the Baptist is baptizing people. Jesus comes down, and he sees, and he sees uh, John the Baptist, and, 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 Jesus, and John the Baptist is like, I can't baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus is like, nah, we got to do this. It's fitting for us to do this in order to fulfill all righteousness. And when I go to the cross, I'm going to take on people's sin, but I got to give them righteousness. So I got to do this in order to fulfill righteousness. John doesn't ask any more questions. So Jesus, uh, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes in and ascends on Jesus like a dove. And then the Bible says that the, the audible voice of God speaks. Now, what he says is so important. Because what Jesus, what God says to him helps Jesus to understand his identity. Here's what he says to him in verse 17. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus just affirmed who Jesus, uh, God, the father just affirmed who Jesus was. And although I would argue that Jesus knows exactly who he is, the father still deemed it necessary to validate and affirm who Jesus was. But watch this. He doesn't do so privately. He does so audibly. He he does so publicly because he doesn't want just Jesus to understand who he is. He wants the fools around him to understand who he is. And so he says, this is my son right here. This is the one that the scriptures spoke of. This is the long-awaited Messiah. This is the one who's going to take the, 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 the sins of his people on himself. This is the one that the Bible says in Isaiah, the government shall be on his shoulders. This is, this is that one. This is the one that created all things and all things were created for. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father reminds him of who he is. This is a no-brainer. But it must be said for those of you who are here and next door. Here it is. God and God alone sets our identity. Period. God and God alone sets the rhythm of who you are. God and God alone sets the purpose and the pace. He establishes the path in which we go on. God says stuff to you like Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. 
He goes on in, in Jeremiah and says, before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you to be a prophet of the nations. He goes on, the scriptures goes on to say, Psalm 139, I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. He goes on to say, my eyes saw your unformed substance and, and I ordained all of the days of your life and wrote them in my book. All that I am, God made me. And here's the thing about all that I am that God made me. That means I have bumps, bruises, insecurities, and flaws, but it's still beautiful because God made it. Oh, I, I'm talking to a room full of people that I know. I know you insecure about something. I ain't got to take a poll. I know this is for everybody in the room. All of us have that one thing that we wish we could change about ourselves. But God, after he created you, Genesis 131, he sat back and said, it's good, baby. It's, I know you don't like it and others may talk about it, but I have, I'm a masterful creator. And so all that God made is good. And so therefore, all that I am God, God made, that means that there is nothing that is not good. And so why do we believe the lies of the enemy when God said it's good? How do you reject what God said and believe what the devil said? Identity. Somebody say identity. identity. And so what, what the enemy is doing right now is he's trying to get not just Jesus, but the enemy is trying to get you to believe that you are not heirs and joint heirs with God the Father. He's trying to get you to believe that you're not kings and queens. He's trying to get you to believe that you're not sons and daughters. But I am, and I am not because the enemy affirmed or didn't affirm, or my friends affirmed and didn't affirm, or the people around me affirmed and didn't affirm. I am because God affirmed. And when God affirms and he stamps his approval, you ain't got an eraser strong enough to, to undo what God has done. I am who I am because God made me who I am. And I don't know who it is in this room or next door, but you have some friends around you that are trying to undo what God said. Oh, man, this is the year for you to, to for you to figure that out, because there are some people that are in your life and their sole purpose. They're the closest to you. And so they got influence over you. And for some reason, you started believing their lie. I need you to believe what Jesus, what God said in verse 17. You are my son. You are my daughter. Don't believe the lies of the closest people. It's a family member. It's a family member. And because y'all, you know, they're they family. So, you know, I got to rock with them. And so because you think that you got to rock with them, you think you got to believe all of the lies that you say. It's a boyfriend. Someone that wants to change you. If you just go to the gym with me. Subtle, right? It's, it's subtle. It's so subtle how they, how they do it. And what happens is we begin to change everything of who we are. And I know I'm preaching to somebody in the room, but I need you to rest in the fact that you are the son of God and you are the daughter of God. And he says that that's mine. Can nobody else change the nature and the pace in which you walk? So the scripture says today that God looks down from heaven. He says, oh, that's my son. I'm affirming who he is and I'm affirming it publicly. Now, here's what's crazy. I hope y'all are rocking with me. Peep this. God just said in verse 17 that this is my son. So the last voice Jesus heard was who? Was God the father. That's the last voice he heard. He walked out of the water. The Bible says he came up out of the water and the spirit of God led him into the wilderness. So my question always is when I'm reading this, well, I want to know who the next voice is. Because the first voice was God the father. Who is the second voice that comes at him? Verse number one in chapter four. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you really are the son of God, if. Bruh, if. I feel like soldier boy on a breakfast club, Drake. 
Drake? Bro, if, how, how, how in the world does God affirm who I am in verse 17 and then the, the enemy, the next voice comes and says, if. And he, bro, yo, he literally tries to uproot the same word. This is my son in whom I well believe, but believe, uh, uh, and won't, won't please. If you are the son of God, what do you mean if? If as in introducing doubt? If as in what God said wasn't true? If as in what, what God has declared over your life isn't a reality and isn't going to come to fruition, please hear me and hear me well. I want to remind you that you are a son and a daughter of God. And I know you heard that in verse 17, but somebody in the room is in verse 3 where the enemy has come to you and said, if. And I don't know why this word stuck out to me on Tuesday when I was reading it. I just, you know how many times I read this story? But for some reason, when I got to verse number three and I saw that the enemy tried to bamboozle Jesus with one word, if. He says, look, man, if you're really the son of God, man, you, I know you're hungry. These stones, you'd be able to turn them into bread. Oh, wait, wait, wait. If you're, and here's the thing. When the enemy comes at us, he, you know he normally doesn't. I want to pass it over. He doesn't come one time. What he normally does is he's a perpetual deceiver. He doesn't want to deceive you one time. He wants to deceive you over and over and over again. Watch this. Verse three, he says, if you are the son of God, do you know he actually says it again? Jesus rebukes him and gets back at him by, by quoting scripture. Jesus is like, look, man, man can't let my bread alone. Forget these stones. I, I, I'm living by, by what the word of God says. But then it says in verse five, then the devil took him to the holy uh, place, the holy city and set him on a pinnacle. Uh, on the temple and said to him, here it is again. If you are the son of God, then throw yourself down for it's written that the angels will be, that he will command the angels and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Did you see that two times the enemy tried it two times? Why? Because when the enemy comes at you, he's not just a liar. He's the father of lies. And some of you in here right now, you've already rejected the enemy. But please be careful because he's going to circle back around because that's what he does. And here's why I was pleading with you saying, man, we got to be more consistent. The reason we got to be consistent is because the enemy is consistent at trying to deceive you. So I got to be consistent in hearing the truth of the word of God. This is why it's important for us to gather as a church, because when we gather as a church, you get to hear the truth of the gospel, not the lies of your co-workers. So often we have been trying to prove ourselves to be. That's exactly what the enemy is trying to do. Satan is challenging Jesus to do something to prove he is what God had declared him to be. Listen, baby, I ain't got to prove to you who God declares me to be. All I got to do is walk in authority and walk in confidence of who he has already declared me to be. Why are we trying to prove to people what God has already pronounced over you? I ain't got to prove a pronouncement. If he pronounced me as a son, I ain't got to prove to you that I'm a son. And that's exactly what the enemy is doing. The enemy is trying to get him to, to, to not believe that God really is who he said he is. And, and, and Jesus really is who he said. He says, man, look, take the, I'm going to take you to the pinnacle and throw you over. See what happens when you are thrown over. Now, here's what's crazy. What's amazing to me is after Jesus goes into the wilderness, this is actually the first time and the only time in all of the Gospels that you actually see Jesus and Satan doing battle and talking. 
Now, I, I know Jesus came up, right? He, he, he called out the demons and, put, you know, he made them go into pigs. and things. Like, I understand that Jesus consistently rebukes the enemy, but this is the only time in the Gospels where you see Jesus and you see Satan actually having a battle and a dialogue. Now, I thought this would be more climactic. When I read this, I'm like, this is going to be a Marvel battle. Like, Jesus is going to pick up a building and, and smash it, and, and Satan going to pick up a car and try to hit Jesus, and they're going to be going back and forth. But don't miss this. This is so subtle on how the enemy does it. The battle is a conversation. Because what we think is, we think that the enemy is going to be coming at you with a bunch of different tricks. And all he does is come at you with a text message and a DM. That's what he does. He comes at you with a subtle conversation. And some of us have been so thrown off because we, we think that the battle is this epic battle and the battle is a conversation and it's a conversation about your identity. The only time, the only time Jesus and Satan talk is about identity. And if that's the case, if Satan tried it with Jesus' identity, don't tell me he ain't after your identity. Oh, he's after your identity. And some of you are winning right now. And you're like, I know who I am. I know who God has created me to be. I know who I am. But but the enemy is so crafty that those conversations and those seeds of doubt. Thank you, Lord. It's the seeds of doubt. And you're believing the lie and it's the people closest to you and you're believing it and you're believing it and you're trying to change who you are and change your ways. And God is like, no, I need you to believe what I said in verse 17, not the enemy's lies in verse three and five. The enemy's always going to lie to you. He's always going to try to deceive you. Now, here's the thing about the text. There are some warnings that are underneath the text. I I know this doesn't have a lot of cohesion to it, but just rock with me for a second. There are some subtle warnings that are underneath the text that directly show us when and how the enemy will come to you when it comes to your identity. The first one, don't miss this. Pay attention to the lies that the enemy tells you based on your circumstances of life. Based on your circumstances of life. Notice that the text says, if God really loved you, you could throw yourself down from this pinnacle and he'll protect you. He he says, man, turn these. So if God really loved you, you could turn these stones into bread. In other words, what the enemy was trying to do was he didn't come to Jesus at the baptism. He came to Jesus when his circumstances didn't line up with what God said. Oh, that's good, y'all. When his circumstances did not line up to what God had already declared over him, he said, this is a moment where I can deceive him. Why? Because circumstances have have a way of getting us vulnerable in which the enemy can now speak into our lives. I'm telling y'all, when your life don't match up with what God said, it's easy for God to, it's easy for the enemy to speak in your ear. Can I say that again? When your life doesn't match up with God's, and I know y'all spiritual. I see your spiritual eyes right now and looking at me going, uh-uh. When God said it, it happens. That ain't how it works. God says it, and then he puts you on a back road to get to the destination, and the road is full of bumps and turns and, and pit holes, and you never, you're trying to get to the destination, and you're like, God, I know what you said, that that's the destination, but God is always putting us on a back road, which means, oh, he, please hear me, which means there are going to be moments where it looks like your life doesn't match what he declared. Just, I know you came here for me to say, thus saith the Lord. No, he tells you, you know it, but your life don't match. Do you realize that God just said, this is the, my, when he says this is my son, this is the one. This is the Messiah. Why would, why would, why would Jesus not go, 
from baptism to the cross. Why wilderness? And that's what that's what happens in our lives. It's real that we go from these high pinnacle moments. But don't every time you up, you always come back down. And I know I know from some of y'all that are spiritual. I'm talking about spiritual pinnacles, too. No, nobody live on the mountaintop. We go up, we come back down. And so what the enemy is doing is he's trying to help him to see. He's trying to help Jesus to see. He's like, look, God is capping. God, what he said to you about you being the son, I don't think you really are the one. And you know how he does it? He says, because your life doesn't match what God said. Because the circumstances, it's giving Joseph. It's giving Joseph. Think about Joseph. Joseph had the dream. By the way, if you ever have a dream that you're going to triumph over somebody else, you probably shouldn't tell them the person. But Joseph does, right? He, he sees the, you know, the cows and the corn, and he knows that he's going to rise to this rank, and everybody else is going to submit under him. Now, that, now he, he knows what God has declared through a dream, but here's why it's given Joseph, because he doesn't go from waking up and get right into the palace. He's thrown into a pit. He's betrayed by his brothers. He's falsely accused. He's sitting in prison. And those are the moments, Daniel, where the enemy will whisper in your ear, I know God showed you that you're going to be uh, uh, over in uh, authority over Egypt. But let me tell you something. Your life don't match up right now. You in a pit, bro. It does not match up. And so it's giving Joseph. It's giving David. Is it not giving David? David, you're chosen amongst all your brothers. You're anointed. You are called the man after God's own heart. But yet you never go from sheep all the way to the palace. It is very clear that David's journey to get to the palace led him into a cave on the run from from the one who was rejected. But yet he's still sitting on the throne. How is the villain sitting on the throne? And I'm the one that you declared to be the king and I'm inside of a cave. You know what? It's the back road, the back bumpy road. And those are the moments, Amari, where the enemy will speak in your ear. Are you really the one after God's own heart? Are you really the great King David? It's giving Eve in the garden. What about Eve the, where, where she's, she's whispered to, again, a conversation, not a battle, but a conversation where the enemy says, if you eat this tree, like, is, is it really going to like, Is it really that bad? It's, I know it's the tree of knowledge, but he doesn't want, he's trying to deceive. He's trying to keep you from knowing stuff. This is the, these are the moments where the enemy, it's given Jesus. Jesus knows that he's born to, to go to a cross to save his people from their sin. But don't miss this. He's temporarily abandoned by his father. He's betrayed by one of his closest disciples. He, he's he's uh, denied by disciples. He's doubted by Thomas. And that is when the enemy can whisper, it's given you. What's your story? There's a couple in here right now that every month, they're taking a pregnancy test and they're looking and they're trying to they're praying, God, please let this be positive. And they're getting negative after negative after negative after negative. And those are the moments where the enemy will whisper in, does God really love you? Oh, it's the single in here. It's the single young lady that is desiring intimacy and desiring to be married. And it's a noble desire. And you're living in purity and you're walking with the Lord and you're doing everything that you're supposed to do. And yet you still have not found the one. And every date you go on, you got text your girls like, he ain't the, this ain't the one. This one ain't the one. The food was good and he paid for it, but this ain't the one. And we got to go through this whole thing over and over again. And those are the moments where the enemy will whisper in your ear, does he really love you? It's given that the husband that has been faithful to his wife. 
And yet she stepped out and was not faithful to him. And those are the moments where the enemy will whisper in your ear, does God really love you? But let me tell you something. Don't allow low moments and circum. That's it. Circumstances. Don't allow the circumstances to sway God's voice. This is why consistency is so important. God is with me whether I'm up. He's with me whether I get the promotion or I get laid off. Because my, his, his love for me is not conditional on my circumstances. Warning number one, be careful when you're going through life and your circumstances don't match what, what God has declared over you. Warning two, and I only got two. Warning number two, the enemy normally comes to us. Maybe this is just me, but if it's you, I just need you to make a little noise. The enemy normally comes to us right after seasons of success. I don't know why. I don't know why. And I wanna, I'm trying to help somebody that's in this room or next door that, you, that, that you're going, you're in a high moment right now. He's like, ain't no way I'm coming down off this high moment. Listen, even Jesus had to go from baptism to the wilderness. And many of us go from these highs and lows. And because we go from these highs and lows, we, we often think that God was only with us. This is the enemy that, this is the lie that I always believe from the enemy, that God is only with me in the baptism in the high moment. But he's also with me in the wilderness. And I don't know why the enemy always comes up to us after seasons of success. Notice that the enemy didn't come to Jesus when he uh, 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 fed 5,000. He didn't come to Jesus when he turned the water into wine. He, he didn't come to Jesus when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He didn't even come to Jesus at the baptism. Do you know how bad he would have got beat with the Father, Son, and Spirit all being present at the baptism? Oh, they had took turns beating them. But you know what? He comes to him after he comes down from this spiritual high and goes into the wilderness. It is the moment where we just came out of a high season of success. And said, so y'all look successful. Y'all do. Y'all look not. Maybe that's a pronouncement in a prophecy. Y'all look successful. I feel money in the room. Hey, I feel the bag. I feel the bag. I feel the bag. But don't believe the hype just because you had a high pinnacle moment and a good successful moment and an open door. Open doors always leads us to a place of it's called it's called sanctification, y'all. This is the bumpy back road that we talk about. And so right now, some of you are in chapter three where you're, you're at the baptism. Not really, but you're, you're here. But chapter, can you believe that after chapter three comes chapter four? I know that's deep. After chapter three came a chapter four. What is a chapter four? The enemy started to speak lies to Jesus and get him to not believe who he said, who God has said that he was. But Lord, I think that's why you're here for me to pluck out the lie, pluck out the lie, pluck out the lie. Stop believing the lie. Believe, stand on what he said in verse 17. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are a joint heir. You are the kings and queens. You are, you, you are the one that I am loving and after, and I can prove it to you. Here's how I can prove it is the cross. Now watch this. There's a word. There's a word that he uses, a phrase in verse number 15, where Jesus says, he says, I know so I'm all, I'm all over the place. In verse 15, he says, um, uh, thus it is fitting for us to fulfill righteousness. Why does Jesus have to, I need you to pay attention here. This is John's baptism 
which historically is known as the baptism of repentance. Why is Jesus participating in a baptism of repentance? He needs not to repent. What are you repenting of? This is Jesus that the Bible says there was no deceit found in his mouth. Never sinned. Never, never sinned. Never, ever sinned. And so why are you going to a baptism of repentance? Here's why. This is going to build your identity, y'all. The reason he does that is because he's going to fulfill righteousness. So when he goes to a cross and takes your sin, he has something to give you. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 says, although he, Jesus knew no sin, he became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus goes on a cross and does this double trade. He takes on all of your sin. But as he does that, he depletes himself of his righteousness. Well, where's his righteousness? His righteousness is in him keeping the law. So he had to be baptized. It is focusing on the gospel of Jesus that helps us to understand who we are. Oh, I hear you, Holy Spirit. There is somebody that's in this room right now that you are also swayed in your identity because you are trying to live up to the approval of people. Who is it? Who is it in this room that's trying to, you're trying to live up and it's so unsustainable and not fulfilling. You know why? Because when you try to live up to people's approval, I can tell you now, when you try to change your ways based on what they like, that will only happen for you temporarily because they always change again what they like. Because we're fickle. We're not consistent. That's why we're this year of consistency, because we're not consistent. And so stop trying to live to the approval of people. It's causing insecurities. Thank you, Lord. Who is in this room that's insecure because you're trying to live off the applause of people? There's a verse, y'all. There's a verse in Proverbs 29, verse 25. It says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. The fear of man, trying to live by people's opinions and trying to live by what people say. It always leads to destruction for you and insecurity. I want to end service a little differently than how we normally end service. Because how I normally end service is, man, I believe that there's somebody in the room that's struggling with insecurities and you're struggling with your identity. You're trying to figure it out. Come to the altar. Let's pray. Here's the thing. I think all of us, including those of you who are next door and those of you, I think all of us are on the altar. And the reason is because all of us struggle with our identity. Don't lie. We all struggle with our identity and trying to figure out who God has called us to be. And this is the year that I think purpose can really happen when you understand who God has declared you to be and you walk in it with confidence and boldness. So I want to end service a little differently than how we normally do. Let's play something soft. Normally, after I call you up, we'll pray. But I, I want to, when you came in, you should have seen on your chair a card. Can y'all pull this card out? And it should have been a pen. If you do not have a card and a pen, and those of you next door, we put them on your chairs too. If you do not have a card or a pen, raise your hand. We want to give you one. If y'all give me a few minutes, I promise we'll get you out of here. I see a hand over here. Our welcome team is coming around. This is what I want you to do. First of all, let's give out some more cards and pens. Gabe, I see hands up, so let's give out some more cards and pens. But for those of you who have one, I don't like silent moments in services. It makes me uncomfortable. But I believe God is calling us to silence. I'm going to go on mute for a second. And what I want you to do, those of you at home, grab a pen, grab a paper. And on this card, I want you to write down one lie. Just one. One lie that you believe that the enemy has told you and you're believing it. Just one lie. Write it on here. Those of you who are in first service and maybe you're serving. God said that there's another lie. 
you already wrote it down first service. There's another one. But I want you to write down one lie that the enemy has told you and you're starting to believe. Come on, I don't see y'all writing. Or maybe you believe you're not good enough. Write it down. One of the lies that I would write down for me is that I believe that God is only, only happy with me when I'm doing well. It's a lie. Come on, dig deep. Don't write that surface. Up. Dig deep. After you've written it down, I see we're still passing them out. If you wrote it down, thank you, welcome team, for serving this way. After you wrote it down, do me a favor and pass it to the end of the aisle. If you don't want nobody to see it, fold it up. It's all good. Pass it to the end of the aisle, and the welcome team is going to collect them. If you're next door, pass it on down. What is the lie that you've believed? Pass it on down. Pass it on down. Welcome team is going to collect them. Hallelujah. What is the lie you've been living and believing? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's pass them down. As you start to collect them, welcome team. I know you're doing one or two things at the same time. Can you just start to bring them up to me? And I need a basket. Gabe, where's that basket, that big basket? You're the best. Y'all bring those up to me. Just start dumping them in and go back and collect a few more. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Next door, if y'all could do me a favor, I hope somebody's collecting these. Bring those over to me. Please bring those over to me. Thank you. Just dump the whole thing in there. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jesus. Have y'all got them from next door? Gabe, can you just check for me next door and make sure we bring them over? Y'all give me a few more minutes, y'all. Can y'all do me a favor? Just start praying in the room. There we go. Nate, is this from next door? out all right any more any more held your hand up thank you thank you thank you man y'all y'all can't see inside this basket but i just need y'all to i just need y'all to see all these lies i just i just need y'all to see all these lies these are all lies look look at all these lies y'all lies lies Lies, lies, enemy be capping, it's lies. And yet we live our lives believing this when it's not the truth of God. Do me a favor, just point your hands this way. Father, I rebuke 
every single lie. I'm not good enough. Lie. My ministry won't be successful. Lie. God will only do a miracle in my life if I'm obedient. Lie. Because he's faithful. I will be forgotten. Lies. I'm alone in my troubles because no one cares. Lies. Father, I pray, oh God, that you would uproot every single one of these lies and replace them with the truth of your spirit that you are loving, that you do care, that even if nobody is noticing and nobody's around us, Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would build us up and deconstruct these lies and reconstruct them with the truth of who you are. Somebody put in here physically that I'm not pretty enough. The devil is a liar. It's a lie. Someone else put in here that, that I will never change. My heart will always be the same. Lies. He takes the heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. I rebuke these lies. The enemy tells us over and over again, Lord, let us live, oh God, in freedom and liberty, knowing that we are in verse 17 where you said we're sons and we're daughters. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just rebuke these lies, but future lies, we would expose them. And Lord, let us not just expose them just to expose them. But Lord, I pray that we would audibly in that moment say the devil is a liar. That's a lie. That we wouldn't even allow it to sit in our heart for even a second. May we hear it and rebuke it because God, your truth is always going to sanctify us and the lie will always destroy us. So Lord, oh God, I thank you today that identities, I feel it in the room, Lord. I feel it. Come on, y'all pray. Identities will be restored in the room. Purpose and design will be restored in these rooms. Those that are at home right now, right now, oh God, that you are starting to create a new direction, a new path, oh God. I pray, oh God, that you would replace the lies, replace them for your glory and for your honor. Someone said, I'm not loved. We are loved beyond comprehension. And we see it most vividly at your cross that you were willing to give up your son to die for us. There's the truth that you do love us with great love. And so, Lord, as these sit on the ground where they should be, may they be removed from our hearts. May they be removed from our minds and may they be removed from our identity. And so the next time someone asks me, who are you? we'll be able to confidently say, I'm an heir from God. I'm God's child. And because I am, my God knows how to protect my identity. So thank you, Lord, for this sermon. Thank you for this word. I pray, oh God, that you would use it, not just for, the, for all of us, Lord. I need to be built up in my identity. So Lord, I thank you, oh God, that you speak truth to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.